Okay, so my boss is considered a black powder expert. Mm-hmm. Okay, and he was he was messing around with some powder and lighting it off and everything, and he got his hand far too close to it and just burned a second and third degree burn all, wow. all all in the palm of his hand from that. So he he actually posted a picture up on our Facebook pages um, saying, okay, yeah, you don't want to do this. Oh, wow. Okay. Cause yeah, he was, he was showing his daughter something and, um, and he had the lighter too close to it and it went and yeah, burned his hand pretty good. Yeah. So I thought it wasn't a quick ignite black powder or is no, it, it, if it's it, spread out, it's not a quick ignite. Or no, what? no, it is. It is a quick ignite huh. and it, it just, wow. yeah, it's, it, it's amazing how black powder works, you know? So, um, that's, see, I, I love shooting a flintlock. That's mm. my favorite thing. Uh, one of the very first times that I ever shot a flintlock uh, was actually a matchlock. It was the very first time I'd ever even seen one. This guy brought it out, and I said, can I shoot that? He goes, yeah. He says, I'll give you a heads up. There's no sights on this gun. He says, so you just got to keep it pointed down range and understand that this is not like a trigger trigger. Because matchlock, what it does is when you pull that trigger back and you pull it back slow, this match comes down and touches in a bowl of powder Hmm. okay and so i'm going okay so how do i sight this and he goes you see where that screw is and i said yeah he says just sight down that screw okay (laughs) (laughs) so i sighted down i was looking at it down range and sighted sighted it in and slowly pulled that trigger so it kept pulling kept pulling kept pulling and all of a sudden, boom, i mean i had the biggest plume of fire right in front of my face (laughs) I actually hit the nine <laughs> ring on the on the target downrange, but I caught my hair on fire. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I said, "Why didn't you tell me to put a hat on my head before I even did this?" And he pulls. Everybody's lifting up their hats. This is the reason why we don't even think about that. And then they're all bald. And <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's that's always that's always a funny that's a that's a that's a great way to know. I mean that's 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 part of just what I'd love to do is black yeah. powder is great. That's you know, um, and it's it's led me to do a lot of different things. Um, you know, I actually get to lead worship one, every June when I go to the National Muzzleloading Rifle Association nice. in Indiana. Yeah, uh, they have what they call a mountain man church, and it is just amazing. We're outdoors. Where you know, most of them are in primitive dress. I don't dress in primitive. It's just, mm. it's too hot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Because, uh, you know, when you're worshiping, you you have a tendency to sweat. Yeah. Mm. I, I sweat really bad. And so um, the very first time that I ever did that was what, five, six, six? I think it was six years ago. And so I, I was really nervous about it and it was pouring down rain so we actually had to move it from outdoors to indoors mm. which was kind of a good thing but, but the roof of where we were at is all metal and so you know it's pouring down <laughs> yeah. rain it's hard to hear so yeah. i'm trying to sing at the top of what i can do and yeah so it was it was it was okay but you know people couldn't hear me so the next year we were actually outdoors it was absolutely gorgeous gorgeous weather it was, we, we were i mean it wasn't that hot um it was nice, sunshiny, and but by the time everything was said and done, 
I was just, I was just covered in sweat from head mm. to toe because it was humid and everything. So mm. it was, you know, and when we're playing guitar and it's humid, boy, your hand sticks to the backside of oh, the neck. Yeah. Oh yeah. So it was kind of hard to change, change chords and this and that. So I'm going, okay, I'm kind of glad I'm done now. Cause I'm playing, <laughs> I'm, I'm generally playing like maybe eight songs there, whenever I go, you know, it's anywhere between five to eight songs um, at a time. So it just depends on, it depends on how much time we actually have. Um, that time it was, it was, it was four songs, five, five songs, six songs, six songs is what it was. Um, and then we had uh, special guests come in that come in and, you know, they, they're, they're uh, bluegrass players. Mm. Okay. So I got my first taste of playing bluegrass. Nice. You know, and stuff. So it's it's been it's been an experience. Um, you know. So, you know, but uh leading worship is has been has been great. Um I do that for Celebrate Recovery. And that my first my first time there was a little nervous. I was very nervous actually, not just a little, very nervous. I still have a tendency to get nervous getting up on stage, even though I've done this now mm-hmm. uh, for three years with Celebrate Recovery. I've done this. I, I was helping lead worship at Lake Church, you know, playing playing uh, guitar for Lake Church. And then now I'm at uh, Vine Fellowship Church mm. and where I'm playing lead guitar constantly. And, yeah, I still get nervous. Um, and so, yeah, it, every time I get up on stage, it's, a, it's kind of yeah. nerve-wracking. So. Yeah, awesome. Welcome to The Testament, a podcast that spotlights the amazing real-life stories of everyday people who've been transformed by their surrender to Jesus Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of one of the many miraculous before and after accounts of lives forever changed by encountering the Savior. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Testament. My name is Jeff Keck. I'm here with Tamby Dudley. Hey, Tamby, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing, Jeff? Good. Tell us about yourself. Well, let's see here. I was born in a little log church. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, no, I was uh, I was actually born in Arkansas and um, raised by my grandparents. And I was always in church. My grandparents hmm. were very avid churchgoers. Um, we actually helped start a church in Rogers, Arkansas. Nice. Um, one of the uh, pastors of the of the church that we were going to, we were going to First Baptist Church in Rogers, mm-hmm. and there the lead pastor, his name was Dean something, I can't remember, but the the secondary pastor there was uh, Rex Easterling. Rex Easterling was a family friend for a very long time. And uh, um, so he he wanted to start. He, you know, God God had been calling him to start a church, and we actually helped him get the church. We helped him purchase the land. Hmm. Um, we helped him design the church, and we actually built a church there. And from him, that's that's uh, that's that's who. Um, uh, taught me how to pray hmm. for salvation. And so that's that's when I you know I was probably 8 9 years old when I gave my life to Christ then. Um and you know he he was he was just a he's oh, he was always an amazing part of my life. Um that I was upstairs just a little while ago mm-hmm. telling um uh uh, uh David Chase <laughs> this uh, about how how I, how long I've known him. Um, my mom 
and his wife gave birth to um, gave birth on the same day in the same hospital in the same delivery room, just just a few hours apart. Hmm. Um, my mom had bright red hair. His son came out with bright red hair. Mm. All right. I had blonde hair. Okay. Neither one of them were blonde either. They were, they were both, uh, dark headed, but, um, he swore up and down that the church, that the, uh, hospital got us mixed up that I was his daughter. So, you know, <laughs> so, um, you know, and so I've always been, you know, he, he, he is always, he, he was always kind of a father figure, um, but he was, he, he was just an amazing guy. Um, and when we started the church, you know, we, we hadn't got the church built yet. And, but whenever I gave my life to Christ, I gave it, I gave it over to Christ standing outside in the field where we were fixing to build the church. Mm. And so in a couple of months, he says, we're going to go down to Beaver Lake. It's finally warmed up. Let's go down to Beaver Lake and let's hold a huge baptism. And so I got baptized in Beaver Lake, mm. which was kind of a cool thing to, to have happen. Yeah. Um, and, you know, from there, um, growing up, just, uh, I, you know, I, I lived for about three years with my grandparents. Um, my dad, he got, he got remarried and, we moved to uh, Fayetteville, where I went to my second church there, which is uh, University Baptist Church. The pastor there was was H. D. McCarty. H. D. McCarty, I I never learned more about the Bible from anybody than I did from him, um, and I re I, I basically rededicated my life to Christ through through him um, because of his teachings. Um, and he was also the uh, head pastor for the Razorbacks. Mm. And so, yeah, so we'd get free tickets to go see games and stuff. <laughs> so it was, it was actually kind of fun. Um, you know, um, I picked up a guitar for the first time. My dad bought me one for Christmas one year. And so we were going on a church uh, on a choir trip, mm. uh, on a choir mission trip is what it was called. And so um, I learned how to play a guitar from H.D. McCarty's son, Kevin McCarty, who taught me how to play dueling banjos on the way to <laughs> South Dakota. And then on the way back, we learned how to play Sweet Home Alabama. And so, I, so those were the two songs I learned how to play from start to finish. And... I'm going, okay, I know how to play guitar now. <laughs> Actually, I didn't. I didn't. But, you know, I can't. How I, old were you in that, I, I, was, I was about uh, 12. Okay. 12, 13 years old. So we're middle school. Yeah, I was, yeah. In, okay. I was in seventh grade yeah. at that point. And, yeah, so it was, you know, um, so that, that, was, that was amazing. Um, and then things kind of went bad for my dad, mm. and he moved us away. And we went, we moved to Oklahoma, uh, pulled me away from church. Um, and I got completely away from church, stepped, stepped away from God, um, and everything. And, you know, there was, uh, I don't know. Um, one thing I do know is that addiction runs very, very deep in my family. Mm -hmm. Um, and truth be told, oh boy, I got addicted, um, alcohol, was was first uh, mm. because that was that was what we had in the house right. was alcohol. Um, went into high school and I was trying to I was working two jobs and 
going to high school because I was trying to help my dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, because dad, dad sometimes would take off and be gone a couple of days, and we be no food in the house. And so I would, I would go and buy food with with what I would make and stuff. Um, you know, was that right. because of his job or just? No, that yeah. was because my dad was an alcoholic. Right. Okay. So, like I said, alcohol, you know, yeah. addiction runs deep in my family. And so, I that's when I started smoking. I started doing drugs at that point to so I could kind of keep myself awake because I'd, I'd get off from work at 11 o'clock mm-hmm. at night, turn around, be back at school at 8 o'clock in the morning. I'd be out of school by year, generally 11. And then I'd turn around and go to my first job. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did that for, for a couple of years and then, you know, dad got remarried again. And by that time he says, okay, you're 18, see ya. Hmm. And so, yeah, I got kicked out of the house at 18. Um, and you know, drug addiction was still pretty heavy, pretty heavy, Hmm. but there was, there was one, there was one point in my life that, you know, God was showing me and and he basically saved me from drug addiction. A friend of mine and I, we had gone to go buy pot and the pot that we ended up purchasing at the time, we didn't know it because nobody said anything about it, but it had been laced with LSD. Hmm. And my friend ended up jumping off of a building hmm. right in front of me. And that literally scared me to death because she smoked the she smoked it that morning. I didn't want to because we were we were fixing going to class, and I'm mm-hmm. going, yeah, okay, I'm not going to smoke this. Um, and because I had to test to take, and I said I need to have clear brain, so I didn't I I didn't do that, but I did take my speed. Yeah. I was still taking uh, black mollies, is what they called them back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what they call it now, but uh, yeah, it was I, it was it was pretty it was pretty harsh stuff, and. She she did. She did nosedive off the building. Yeah, we were both in high school at that time? Yeah, we were mm-hmm. both in high school. This is my senior year in high school. And it was that right there that kind of stopped me dead in my tracks because she said bye and just fell. Hmm. And, yeah, I, it, it, it devastated me for a little bit because she was the only friend I ever had in high school. And so— when that happened, it was it was something that that I can sit here and tell you. It kind of turned me away from drugs. Hmm. Okay, and I know that that was God right there doing that for me. Alcohol, though, yeah, I was still pretty. I, I would still, you know, weekends I was pretty soused pretty mm-hmm. much every weekend. Still, um, went into the military. Alcoholism got worse. Hmm. And what stopped me there, because I was in I was in the army. I was actually at Fort Sam Houston in San Antonio. I was out there was a there was a little bar that you could walk to mm-hmm. off a of base. And so I just walked to the bar and I would drink, sit there and drink tequila. And you know, tequila still kind of is my favorite thing, but, you know, I don't drink it at all anymore because I honestly can't now yeah. because of my, the medication I'm on. But um, the at the time, I was sitting there just shot after shot after shot. I was just playing pool by myself. Hmm. And I was making fixing to make this shot, and some guy bumped me as I was making that shot. Hmm. I turned around and swung at him with a pool <laughs> cue. 
implanted the pool cue in his head, apparently. I don't really remember any of this part of it <clears throat> um, because I was that drunk. Um, a friend of mine said, you know, a bar fight ensued. She said MPs were being called at that point. She, and she drug me out hmm. and she took me to her apartment. Um, next morning, um, she woke me up and she says, you're going to have to go turn yourself in. So I did. I went and turned myself in. I was I was uh, disciplined hmm. in the military. I was not put in jail or anything like that. But, um, yeah, I was disciplined. I was sanctioned for 60 days. I could not leave the post. Um yeah, I had to pull extra duties and this and that. But that kind of woke me up from my alcoholism. Yeah. You know, it it didn't take much. But that little nudge right there just pushed me and, yeah, woke me up. And I'm going, okay. And so, you know, later and later down the line, my dad on his fifth marriage at that point, he was— he was actually brought to his knees in the middle of his living room one night where he was delivered from alcoholism and smoking all mm. in the same shot. And he says, yeah, God put me on my knees, Tammy. He said, there, there's no other way about it. He says, he, he, put me, he put me on my knees. He says, there, and he said, I sat there and I cried pretty much all night long because God told me that that I'm, I'm going to die mm. if I continue. And so, you know, knowing that now kind of helped me with my smoking. Um, and God delivered me from smoking. Um, next year, I'll be 62. Hmm. Uh, that's the same age my mom was when she died. Hmm. And so, and yeah, everybody says, oh, man, that was so young. I said, yeah, but my mom never quit smoking. Hmm. Even though she told everybody she did, she never did. And I'm going, okay, I don't want to be like my mom. I quit smoking many years ago because of my son and because of what I saw it do to my mom. Mm. Um, and I'm going, okay, you know, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. And I was able to put the cigarettes down and God healed me from that. Believe it, I mean, everything I've been healed from, I wasn't walking with God at that point. Yeah. But what turned me around was knowing I had I, I had a nightmare about my dad dying. Hmm. Okay. And it, it, that, and then I was also having some issues with my husband at that point. And I'm going, okay, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. And Katrina Parlin, she's she's just awesome. I had had my son. He had been here in um, uh, um, Upward Sports mm -hmm. uh, playing basketball. And every time she'd see me, she'd poke me in the ribs and she'd say, hey, you need to come to church with me. Hey, you need to come. Well, whenever all this hit me, all of a sudden, I went to church. And God renewed me right there. On the spot, he renewed me. And he brought me in. He set me down. And he said, this is where you have to be. Hmm. You can't leave me again. He said, don't turn your back on me again. This is where I, you need me. This is where I need you to be because I have something I need you to do. And, yeah, and so that tells me right there I'm— 
that's where I needed to be. So I came, I was here at this church for about six years. Um, my first, the first person that I met that was actually not from basketball mm -hmm. was, believe it or not, Andre Crabb. Mm. And Andre um, noticed me because I would come in because I didn't know these new songs. And I'm mm -hmm. going, oh, man, <laughs> I don't know how to sing these songs. And so, you know, and so I, I would come in and I would listen to the band rehearse so that I could kind of learn how the music goes. And I'm going, okay. And so I started, I started learning that, I started learning the words, started learning the music and stuff. And Andre, in between, as soon as they were done rehearsing, he would come and he would sit down and he would talk to me. We would have some amazing conversations, you know, you know, and we would have, we would have some fun because he knew that I love the Razorbacks. Here he is, an Aggies, <laughs> you know, and, you know, Arkansas and the Aggies have always had a, have had a little bit of a rivalry. And so we, you know, we would have some amazing conversations. Um, and then after shortly after that, he says, he says, um, he says, have you ever played any instruments? I said, yeah, I used to play guitar. I said, I haven't picked it up in a while. And he goes, oh, you need to pick it up. And he says, you need to start playing. Hmm. And so I started picking it up. I started asking if, if I could get some of the music and stuff. And Brandon would give me some music. And he, you know, and he started including me in on Wednesday nights to come in and play. And so I would come in, I would come up here and I would sit in the pews and I would play right along with the band. And then shortly after that happened, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. Hmm. And he had um, esophageal cancer. My dad hadn't been able to eat in almost a year. Um, he couldn't get anything past this, past the esophagus. Hmm. And so um, the first time that I actually got to play on stage was exactly two weeks after my dad died. Hmm. Um, so I went through I went through that. Um, I was in the grieving process for that for quite a while. You know, because when my dad was diagnosed, we... I would go to um, uh, uh, the hospice where he was at because he was he he was he was placed in the hospice for about three weeks, and this was shortly after Christmas, and my dad my dad died, in, in uh, January twenty sixth, um, and so whenever he died, he um, um, you know before he died, I I was able to spend some time with him. Listen, you know, and I was sitting there one night, my stepmom, she wanted to go home and, you know, get some stuff from the house and bring it back up and stuff. Cause she was, she was, she had, she just stayed there with him. So I'd come up and I would relieve her and I would stay with dad. And I was, I was sitting there one night, just listening to him breathe, playing on my phone. And all of a sudden I see something, I see some movement out of the corner of my eye. And I look up, and there was something that was bright. It was white. It was standing over my dad. And as I turned, that figure shot right through the wall. Mm. My dad had stopped breathing at that point, but then my dad started breathing again. Um, later, you know, a couple of days later, I was noticing you could see white streaks going across the ceiling mm. in this place. I'm going. Man, I said, and my stepmom, she says, did you see that? And I said, yeah. She says, that's angels. And I'm going, I'm, I'm, I, I honestly believe it. I said, because I saw something bright and white standing over dad. 
And she says, you've seen, you saw that too? I said, yeah. She said, I thought I was seeing things. I said, you and me both. And I said, why I didn't say anything? Hmm. And then we got to talking because um, Brandon wanted me to learn a song. And he had, he had sung it that, he had sung it already at, there at the church. But I started listening to this song. Um, and it's by Chris Tomlin, I Will Rise. And that song just kind of, kind of set the set the tone for what I felt with my dad. Okay. Now, understand, I don't listen to the radio. Okay. I don't. I listen to my phone. Mm -hmm. I hook my phone up and I play music through my phone. As I'm driving, I'm not changing anything, nothing. When I drive from work to go see my dad, I will rise, came on. Mm. Every time I would leave there to go home, I will rise, comes. <laughs> and and this happened every day for a solid week before my dad died. Mm. And that was just that that was just amazing. So that that kind of became a song to so every time I hear that now I think of my dad mm. because that song and it happened. It was not anything I was doing to my phone. That was just God. Yeah. You know, and so that that was uh that was a pretty powerful pretty powerful thing hmm. to have happen. Um, you know, God is, God is, uh, has promoted healing in my family. Um, and, but I had known that my dad was going to die for almost a year before he died. Hmm. Um, and so there, there was just there, you know, when my dad died, I was relieved, but I was also grieved because I knew that I was not going to hear his voice again. Hmm. And so, you know, my dad was always my, he's my confidant, my cheerleader, my pusher. You know, he would push me into to doing things. I was always his little daredevil. I would do whatever <laughs> my dad wanted me to do. And, you know, so I was always that. And then, you know, after that happened, you know, and the first time I got to play up here on stage, um, you know, I mean, it was all I could do to get my stepmom to come and see. Hmm. You know, I said, you need to come at least see. And she said, yeah. She said, I'll be there. So she came. She did. She says, okay, yeah, I'm not coming back. Hmm. And that was the last time I saw my stepmom hmm. face to face. My stepmom wanted nothing more to do with me, wanted nothing to do with my son. She was the only grandmother my son ever knew. Um, you know, and she, she stepped out of our lives. Hmm. And so – you know what? You know I know that she has been remarried now and stuff, but that's really all I know about her. Yeah. You know, so I don't even know where she lives at anymore. So, but um, you know, so now my son is fixing to be twenty-two, mm. and I'm going. Are you kidding me? My son <laughs> is going to be twenty-two. <laughs> How old do I feel? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but, uh, you know, my son, there's a, there's a, there's a huge story with my son there. I was never able to have kids. Mm. And a friend of mine had a dream and she called me out of, the, out of the blue. I hadn't talked to her in like two or three months. She called me out of the blue. She says, I dreamed about you last night. And in this dream, I was told I needed to have a child for you. And hmm. what? Are you kidding me? So my son is adopted. Hmm. He was he was 100% a pure gift. Hmm. And there was there's no two ways about it. My son is saved. My son is a Christian. Um, and he's actually in TCC right now. 
uh, he's wanting to go to UTA to finish off his nursing school. Nice. So, yeah. So he's 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 doing he's doing what he what he feels like mm-hmm. God is leading him to do. And yeah. so he's 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 really he's really in a good spot. Hmm. And so now now let's move forward to what am I doing now? Okay. Mm-hmm. So now I know I'm not no longer at Lake Church and I'm going, okay. God has wanted me to do something, and I don't know what it is. And so, you know, I come all the way up to June. I'm going, okay, I'm fixing to leave to go to Indiana. The entire way to Indiana, I prayed, God, I need you to lead me where you need me. Prayed that all the way back. And all the way back, I was in Arkansas, because I remember this very distinctly. I heard, you got to go down to that church. Because I had visited that church a couple of times, he said, and I heard you have to go to that church, okay? And and the church I was talking about was Fine Fellowship, mm. and you know, and I talked to the pastor there, I talked to the to the worship leader there at that point, and now they've changed worship leaders now twice since then, mm. but you know, I was told that they need some help. Yeah. So I'm so I've been there now since uh, 2021 or 2020, yeah, 2021 I think is what it was, and um and I've been there since then, and God has put me in a position there where I'm the lead guitarist hmm. for the worship band there. Um, we are fixing to have a major worship night come up. And one of my students is 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 gonna play nice. with us. Yeah. Uh, another one of my students is already playing with us over there. Um, so because uh, I'm because you know I'm teaching guitar now, um, and then also in the same year time, same time frame right there, God directed me to help out with celebrate recovery. Mm. Um, and I called and I talked to Heather about that. And she says, yeah, she says, you know, we haven't had a live worship in like two years. Hmm. And I said, are you kidding me? She said, oh, no, no. I said, so you want you want me to come in and do a live worship then? She says, yeah, can you do this all the time? I said, I can be there every Tuesday without fail. Yeah. And so, so far I have been there every Tuesday Without fail, unless it is a special night that they don't need me. Mm-hmm. Well, in the in the in the midst of, of of that, okay, I discovered that you know because because to go in there and go lead worship and play guitar, you can't just unplug your guitar and go home. Right. Yeah. You know, so I have to. So I so I'd sit there during the entire large group and I'd listen to the testimonies, listen to the teachings that they that they were doing. I'm going, okay. Um, yeah, that sounds a lot like me. Hmm. How in the world? Oh, okay. No, um, God, what are you teaching me? What do you want me to do right now? <laughs> so I ended up, I ended up learning that I had what's called codependency. Okay. And I've had it since I was little. Okay. Hmm. What? Okay. So do you remember me saying that, um, that, you know, I was my daddy's, my dad's little mm-hmm. daredevil. Yeah. Okay. Whatever my dad asked me to do, I would do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's where my codependency came from. All right. My dad, my dad was also the first one that told me that I would never be pretty, that I would never be good enough, that I would never do this. I would never be able to do that. Mm. But you know what? 
God's taught me something different. I'm doing everything that God wants me to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to live according to God's will at this point. Um, I am this, I'm the worship person. I'm the worship, I'm the spiritual leader in my household because my husband does not want to step up and do that. My husband is a self-proclaimed agnostic. And so, but yet I still love my husband and I deal with that, mm. you know, and I, I know if, if God wants him to change, God will change him. Mm. And I know that. I'm not going to change him. You know, that's part of, that's part of codependency, you know, codependency. Okay. You're okay. I, you, you want to change, then this is how you have to do it. Okay. That's codependency. That's not, that's not how, that's not how God wants you to do this. If God wants to fix you, God will fix you, but it's not my job to go in and fix you. And, but yet code, the codependency in me says, Oh yeah, I got to go fix this person, or I have to do this myself because you know who else yeah, is going to so, do this. So fill us all in. Tell us all what what is what is codependency? What does that all include? Well, codependency is where you strive to please another person. You're trying to fix them. You see something broken, and you try to step in and help them fix it instead of letting instead of them trying to fix themselves. Okay. Mm-hmm. Here is the here is the the way that I want to describe this, okay? Um, and it's it's hard to do without using family, okay? Because family is where codependency actually starts from. Right. Um, but right now, I'm dealing with um, my brother um, who is homeless. Um, he is going through a lot of medical issues uh, and stuff right now. And whenever he first came homeless, I said, okay, look, I can help you if you want me to help you. I said, but you're going to have to do this and this. And, oh, yeah, I'll do this and this. Okay. Well, he got, I, I got him moved. I got him into a house. I hate this place. I am not doing this. Okay, it all blew up in my face. That's codependency. That is that is the perfect description of codependency yeah. right there. Okay, because I tried to step in and help him. He said he wanted help, but yet he didn't really want it. He was mm-hmm. not ready to accept the help. Right. And that's where that's where codependency is. Codependency says, "Oh, hey, I can help you do this." Okay? Whether you want me to or not, this is how we can do this. Okay. And that's that's what codependency is all about. It's 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 a control mechanism. Um, and where you where you want to be in control. Okay. Right now my brother's completely out of control and I've stepped away um because I've had to. Because it was pulling me down mentally and physically. Hmm. Um, so I had to step away and it's not that I don't talk to my brother. I talk to my brother every week, but I will not step in and try to fix him mm. at this point because he has to be willing to step up and fix himself. Right. Okay. I pray that God, that, uh, God will step in, you know, and help him. But, you know, that's not my call. That's God's call. Mm. You know, and so that's that's where that's what that's exactly what codependency is all about. 
Um, and so whenever, whenever you have that issue. So it's your need to fix others. Yes. And your need to be fixed for others. Yes. Meaning you need to be uh, what? Ex- accepted or? You yeah. To, yeah. Ex- ex- yeah. That I need to be accepted. Okay. Okay. So, you know, the, the way my dad played us with the kid, you know, played us as, as when we were kids, um, I was a straight A student. I'm the one that had the 4.0 average coming out of high school while my brother failed. He didn't even finish high school. Hmm. He went through 12th grade, but he did not get to graduate because he was short credits because he had failed classes and stuff. He was the one that was always in summer school. But yet my dad would say, hey, Doug, if you would get an A or if you would just, you know, raise his grade from an F to a C, I'll buy you a motorcycle. My dad would go right out and go ahead and go buy that motorcycle <laughs> and hand it to him. Mm. Okay. But yet I make my A's and B's and yeah, and he uh, and he said, oh, yeah, great job. You didn't get a motorcycle? Nope. Didn't get a motorcycle. <laughs> so, so. Yeah, so it, it you know it 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 makes for it makes for you know um, things that 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 happen sometimes like that. So it's you know, and that's 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 where codependency comes from. It starts from there. So you would have had that then through your friendships growing up in mm-hmm. high school, right? So yep. where you were, were you uh, would you say attached to your friends also a need to be liked by them? Do you think that's what? led you into alcohol or led you yep. into drugs because you were being accepted into a group or, yep. you know. That was it. That's, that's it. And that's it in a nutshell right there. You know, um, I was, I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to be um, a friend and I wanted to be, you know, this and I wanted to be that. But yet I never could quite make that mark. But now with God's help through Celebrate recovery. This is turning around to where, hey, I am who God expects me to be. Mm. And that's the only person I have to please. I don't have to please anybody else. I'm not here to fix anybody. I'm not here to to, to do anything. I can offer my suggestions and feel confident in offering them. But it's up to you to pick them up and take them at this point. Not my, it's not my call. And that's what my brother had a hard time trying to figure out. Well, you're not even going to help. I said, no, I'm not. But this is what you can do. Well, can you at least look it up for me? No, I'm not going to. You have a computer. Use it. Google is your friend. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, that's and and I mean, it sounds harsh and sounds like, well, you know, you're you're turning them down for something so simple, so minor. Yeah, it's that simple minor stuff that turns into more major things. Mm. You know, and so that's how that's that's how that's how I work everything. So you went in to celebrate recovery with the intent to worship or lead worship Mm -hmm. for them and turned out to be Mm -hmm. needing the help yourself. How long ago was that? Um, It's been I'm going I'm on my third year with celebrate recovery Mm. right now. I just finished a 12 step study with them um, to and boy, that's whenever it actually pointed out when the codependency started. Because um, it started when, as soon as my parents were were uh, divorced, mm. that's when the codependency started. Because my need to please and and stuff, I was always been my daddy's girl. Um, I I'll never deny that. 
Um, but that was that that's where it all started from. Yeah. You know, my grandparents were the only Christian stable household I ever lived in growing mm. up. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. Okay. So we've talked a lot about Celebrate Recovery. Tell me mm-hmm. what is Celebrate Recovery? Celebrate Recovery is a 12-step program. Okay. Okay. That will help you deal with hangups, habits, and addictions, mm. and hurts, and guilt, and grief. But it is based upon the Beatitudes mm. in the Bible. So you have your eight steps, your eight Beatitudes. So that's eight steps. And then you have your 12 steps, which will help you learn where your where your issue started, mm. how to get through it, and then what you can do with that after you're done. Mm. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And Celebrate Recovery's got a very good track record um, to that, that will help with food addictions, alcohol, drugs, smoking. Codependency, um, you name it. It, it. You can deal with a lot of different things based upon God's uh, values, mm. not based upon the values of the world. Okay, and that's 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 really what it boils down. And I'd venture to say that regardless of the addiction, it's it's that idol, right? It's mm-hmm. it's all kind of a focus that co- that takes you away from God. So it's all, even though the addictions are different, there's chemical things. I mean, we can go in forever and ever about the differences in different addictions mm-hmm. and stuff, but it's still something that's our focus is based on something other than God. And so that's what this takes you through is a step on how to get your focus switched back from what it was on mm-hmm. back onto God the way it needs to be. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, so beyond the 12 weeks, though. Is there regular involvement with yeah. the people that have been doing yes. this? Yes, yes. And so, um, you know, I'm not saying that everybody does a 12-step program. Not sure. everybody's yeah. led to do the 12-step yeah. program um, or, or the step study. Um, but through the program itself, what what you do is whenever you get there, you're, you're in a large group. And so you have everybody there. You go through worship. We go through prayer. And we either have a testimony live or video depending or we have teaching okay so which teaches you about the different steps in that um let's see here let me me pull this up here because i can tell you uh quite a bit about it right here okay so in the 12 steps you have um you have different Bible verses for that. Okay. So like the first step is we admitted we are powerless over our addictions and compulsive behaviors and that our lives have become unmanageable. Mm. And then we go into, and we read Romans uh, 7, 18, which says, I know nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. All right. So everything is based on, you know, from step one through step 12, um, and the, the toughest one really is step four, hmm. when we've made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Okay. All right. So inventory, what does that include? Whatever you want it to include. Hmm. Okay. Um, my inventory um, goes up through my marriage right now, okay, does not include what I have just disclosed with my brother. Yeah. Okay. But 
it, in my marriage goes up through my inventory, uh, you know, in my inventory right now. Um, and basically it says, uh, it, the the uh, verse for that is Lamentations 340 says, let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. Hmm. So what the, what the inventory does is it kind of points out where your addiction started or where your issues started from. Where have you taken them? Hmm. How far have you carried them? What is your fault? What isn't your fault? Okay. And where was God in the in the times that this happened? Yeah. Where were you with God in times that this happened? Um, 90% of people that that do the that go through this inventory take a really tough look at themselves and yeah, it can it can bring you to tears with some of the stuff that some of these people have been through. Mm. Um, you know, I I haven't even told you half of half of what I sure. will tell in yeah. in celebrate recovery, but but um, what it what it amounts to is how much do you want to live and get rid of this 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 problem. Mm. Okay. And that's what it that's what it tells you. Hmm. Okay. And if you if you really if you really want to work on it, where will you put God in that? Yeah. Okay. Because God is is the ultimate fix for all of our problems. Right. You know, and that's 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 what that's what I've learned is that God is our is the ultimate fix for hmm. all of our problems. Hmm. You know, um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was actually able to go to um, a, a church up in Keller, and I got to meet Matt Mayer and John Reddick. That was actually a thrill of a lifetime. <laughs> um, I, I had the I had the early early bird uh, ticket mm-hmm. to where I could sit with a question and answer session. Yeah. Okay. So I. I, me and my, in my, in my, in my ways, I, you know, I love, I love doing what I'm doing, but, um, I, I had to ask, okay. So I said, I have one, I have one question for both of you. Actually, it's two questions for both of you. What kind of guitars do you play and what is your pedal boards? <laughs> okay. All right. So Matt Mayer, he he's he said he said, hang on a second. So he goes and he grabs his guitar and he brings it up and he says, Okay, so I have had um he says, I have an I have a custom made Martin. And he says, here, come here. You play this while I talk. <laughs> okay. I was like blown away. <laughs> I think I away. saw those pictures. You yeah. put some pictures on yeah. Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was absolutely blown away. Okay. Um, and so I, I, and he says, you play while I talk. So I sat there and I played and kind of picked around <laughs> on his guitar and everything. I, I swear that guitar I was holding was probably four or five, six thousand yeah. dollars. Um, you know, and so I'm, I was, I was just blown away and, uh, come to find out John Reddick, he says, he says, well, he says, I have a guitar. He says, but I don't really play it that much. He said, I prefer to play piano. I said, okay. All right. Mm. And, uh, so it was, it was kind of interesting with that. But after I sat down from that, there was this guy that came down from, came from setting up behind me. He came down and he goes, you're with Celebrate Recovery? And I said, yes. 
He says, you're a worship leader? I said, yes, I am. A worship leader for Celebrate Recovery. He said, what church? And I said, Lake Church. And I said, we meet on Tuesday nights. He goes, wow. He goes, I meet on Thursday nights with my lake, with my with my group. And I'm telling you, I have been delivered completely wow. from alcoholism. He says, I, he says, I was going to die. He said, my liver was so, was so shot mm. that I was going to die. And he got healing. It wasn't just mental healing it was physical healing yeah you know from from celebrate recovery mm. is i mean you can't beat that with a right, stick right right you know and so is it is amazing what happens when things like that come up you see i kind of get a little cheery yeah. sometimes when talking about different things but man that was just amazing and man, I, I said, man, I said, I said that is awesome. I said you ought to come to our group at some at some time because, well, I would, but he says, but I work every Tuesday night. I have to work every Tuesday night. And I said, I said, I understand. No worries, no worries. But yeah, his his little short testimony there just kind of hit me right square in the heart. It was amazing. Yeah, that's great. So let me ask you this: Our time starts winding down. I always ask everybody for favorite scriptures, and I think um, at this particular one, you can use your life scripture if you want. But um, it could be a you know a verse, character, storyline, chapter, book, whatever you want. But whatever it is that continuously touches your heart, or even something that's been strong for you through this battle. Well, you know, that's 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 such a hard subject, right? Yeah. Now. Okay, because um there are literally thousands of verses in the yeah. Bible. But one book in particular is always been the book I turn to whenever I need to be spiritually um uplifted, mm-hmm. which is Psalms, okay? And my favorite verse in Psalms, and, and yeah, it's uh, I gotta I gotta I gotta tell it to you how how it is. Believe it or not, actually is the musician's verse. Okay, mm. Psalms yeah. thirty three three. Okay, play your instruments expertly with a shout of joy. Mm. Okay, and so that is something that that has been kind of tattooed on my heart uh rocky um deroche used to play drums here i don't know i don't know if you remember him or not mm. um uh, but he died just shortly before covid happened okay yeah so i remember okay. him i didn't ever yeah. meet him yeah and so um he he actually gave the band hats with the ps333 on oh on yeah nice one one day and yeah i i that's my shooting hat that's the hat i use when i go <laughs> shooting so um but you know, the guitar that I play now is a collector's edition that my guitar teacher actually said, okay, it's over there. You need to go get this guitar. Mm. I took one guitar that I had and I wound up trading that get guitar for two. Mm. One is a collector's edition, uh, which is a, it is a Fender Stratocaster called, it's an HM model. Mm. Uh, it's only, it was made in Japan and they were only made for four years in Japan. So that was kind of a, that was kind of a cool thing, but it is our bright yellow guitar. Yeah. Okay. And I, and I absolutely love the, the way that this thing plays is just amazing. But I like to match my guitar straps to my guitars. Mm. Okay. So I, I know it sounds weird, but it's, it's, a, no. it's a little thing I have. I understand. Um, but so I had a I, I I was looking for somebody to actually make me a guitar strap. Finally found a guy. He makes good he makes the most awesome guitar straps. And he took and he made me a guitar strap. 
he didn't ever see, he saw nothing but a, but a picture of my guitar. He never saw my guitar in person. So I have a black strap that whenever I lay, whenever I set my guitar down in the, in the, in the guitar holder, my strap, it lays right across the front mm-hmm, yeah. and it, in bright yellow, it is a PS 333. Nice. And I mean, it matches my guitar to a T. I couldn't believe it. I'm going, oh my gosh, do you know how much that matches my guitar? That is just great. And I was, I was absolutely blown away. And the guy, and the guy, he, he blessed me with a with a concealed carry holster, that he makes, <laughs> nice. which, was, which was which was kind of cool too, but yeah. So That's it's great. you know so so you know that verse right there, you know tells it, it it tells me that that I have to spend the time I need so I know to play my my instrument with expertly, mm. so that I can play and be in the presence of God, yeah. and I play for an audience of one. For him and for him only. I don't care who else hears me sing. Mm. Nothing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And so now, you know, from where I was to where I am now is absolutely 180 degrees from where I was. Mm. Okay. And I'm talking where I was 10 years ago. Right. Is completely different than where I am right now. That's wonderful. And um, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Yeah. You know, so, so let me ask you this for those who might be listening who think they need to join Celebrate Recovery. I know Celebrate Recovery is just not just at this church, right? It's, yeah. Is it's there a website it. for them or? Well, okay. I'm, I'm pretty sure that there is a website, but. Um, Keep talking. I'll look for it. Uh, you know, the, the, the Celebrate Recovery was actually founded in California and it's moved out. But but I can actually pull up. Uh, there's there's a Celebrate Recovery app where you can pull up uh, all the churches around that have Celebrate that 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 have Celebrate Recovery. CelebrateRecovery.com. Yep. Yep. Um, and it says here that you can find a local Celebrate mm-hmm. Recovery. Yep. Okay. Yep. And um, but uh, uh, Celebrate Recovery also has a Facebook page. Okay. Um, and then Lake Church also has a Celebrate Recovery. Facebook There's one page. in Lake Church. That's right. Um, and so, um, yeah. And Lake Church is also the only one that has the landing. Also <sighs> around in this area. Okay? okay. The landing is specifically designed for uh, kids from from sixth grade through twelfth grade. It is specifically designed for them. Um, the The unique thing is is that these kids need to have some place where they can feel safe to come in and talk. Mm. They can learn about God. They can do. Um, they can they can hear different testimonies and and do different teachings and stuff. But in the small groups, you're broken out. Okay, so you have guys go with guys, girls go with girls, and you have your little small group where you have. Three to five minutes to talk about anything that you need to mm. talk about without any interruptions. And you know it's not going to go past those four walls. Yeah. That is the most amazing thing ever. Mm. And that it took me a little bit of time to actually start talking in the class. Because sure. be honest with you, I'm kind of a shy person. Um you know, I'm great one on one. Yeah, you know, yeah. to about four or five people around me, I'm great. You get more than that around me, and I kind of shut down. <laughs> so, yeah. but uh, and that's the reason why I like being up on stage. Because yeah. th- then, hey, you're out there. Hey, mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not going to shut down. I'm mm-hmm. up here. I'm not. You know. So, 
And that's just, that's just the way that I've been. But, yeah. but with Celebrate Recovery, it's great. And so, it, you know, I just, I did want to plug the landing in there too, because uh, kids today need to have some sort of outlet yeah. where they can go and they can, they can talk, they can cry, they can laugh, they can do whatever um, and not, and it not go anywhere else. That's hmm. amazing. And just so everybody's clear too, it's not a, 12 week and, you know, get out. Mm -hmm. This is something that just goes on and on and on. You just come every week, right? You come on every on week. On. Outstanding. Tammy, thank you so much for coming. I appreciate you telling your story. Well, I appreciate you. I think, I, I feel like we got a lot more hours we could put into this. <laughs> oh, I could, I could go on and on and on, but you know, um, so yeah, it's, you know, cause what, what Celebrate Recovery is all about is just, it's just yeah. an amazing thing. Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate you telling your testimony. Thanks. Well, thank you. Folks, if you want to learn more about who Jesus is, visit us at thetestamentpod.com. That's thetestamentpod.com. And click on the gospel message at the top of the page. Also, you can click on the Testament Podcast tab and learn more about our podcast and see what our most recent episodes are that we've launched. In addition, we're always looking for guests who want to brag on God. So please send yourself or someone you know to thetestamentpod.com and drop us a line with your interest or email us at thetestamentpod at gmail.com. We'll send you all the information we need in order to book you for an interview. Remember, do your part. Help us get these testimonies out there. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and then like and share our posts so your friends can see what we're doing too. So thanks everybody for listening. Bye.